Welcome to the Sage Report. Today the Lord has placed on our hearts to talk about the heart and how it matters to God. I want to say I'm really excited that I have a very, very, very special guest with me today, um, Pastor Ralph James Jackson, Senior Pastor of 12 Wells Missionary Baptist Church. Pastor Ralph, would you say hello? Hello, Pastor Queen, uh, Dr. Queen. I'm just happy and thrilled to be on the Sage Report, which uh, uh, I plan to return again. Amen. Today we're here to talk about the heart and how the heart matters to God. The heart matters so much to God that he searches our hearts um, to find the true intent of the heart. And um, you can legislate and you can do a whole, I mean, the many things that the movement has going on today, but if the people, people's heart isn't in the right place, everything that's done is going to be done for naught. So it's our responsibility. We have some ownership in what's going on in the world and the things that we can do something about is to make sure that our hearts are right, make sure that when God delivers us, then we will make sure that we do the right things and that this um, will cause a ripple effect throughout all creation and that men, women, girls, and boys would um, have the right heart as we greet and meet and live in close proximity to one another. That's one of the reasons why the heart is so important. And the heart is um, one of those things that the Bible says is de it's deceitful and desperately wicked. It's, it's so wicked that um, it's beyond um, comparison, beyond, there's nothing in the universe as wicked and desperate as um, a man's heart. Oftentimes, we don't even know what's in our own hearts, what's within our own hearts. Um, and this is one of the reasons we um, end up doing things that we wouldn't ordinarily do or surprise us um, as we go through life is because we hadn't taken the time to do some self-examination to explore the things that have migrated from our heads to our hearts. Pastor Ralph, do you have anything that you want to contribute? Yeah, well, Pastor Queen, um, you're right about the heart. And um, that was an awesome message that the Lord gave you today. And you listened to him and you preached it the way I feel that he wanted it preached. But... Um, and not but and also when we're talking about the heart, uh, my favorite scripture that I put on all my business cards is Second Chronicles sixteen and nine, part mm -hmm. A. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth mm -hmm. to show himself strong or to show himself mighty in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Mm -hmm. Whose heart is perfect towards him, and he will show himself. He will show up and show out if your heart is sincere towards him. 
Amen. Amen. Um, the heart, um, just to give a, a brief description uh, about the heart. The heart um, is considered to be our central um, processing unit, our, our CPU, so to, so to speak. All of us are pretty much familiar with computers these days. And so, but there, there are some characteristics of the heart that we need to uh, understand, and that is that the heart is vast in its capacity, its ability to store um, a lifetime of experiences. Can you imagine someone living 100, 120 years old, and its heart, their heart, has the ability or capacity to store every one of the experiences for 120 years. The heart, the heart is vast in its capacity. Um, and the heart then, uh, uh, another thing that we need to know so that we can um, approach our heart the correct way is our heart lacks intelligence. So whatever is in our heart um, is not going to be reasoned in our hearts. The reasoning is done in our minds. And so it's very important that we control what goes in our heart because actually we don't follow our minds, we follow our hearts. And so if your heart lacks intelligence, right, so um, it's, it doesn't care um, whether something is right or wrong, it's just going after what it wants. And what, what it desires. It, yeah. And so that's very important for us to understand um, because you or, or, or you can talk me out of doing something if you're reasoning with my mind. But if you're trying to speak to my heart, you're going to have a very difficult time getting me to forego whatever my heart is after. Amen. And so the heart and, and the key thing, which is one of the things that we all need to be careful with is that and understand is that the heart will overrule the head at will. So if the heart sees the thing and it wants it, the head can't talk the heart down. Right. The heart's going to go after it with all it's got. Right. And so we need to understand that there are times, key times, that we may not be able to control that the heart will overrule our head. I believe that's what happened to um, George Floyd. Um, Chavins, um, is that on? Chauvin. 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 Chauvin, thank you. Um, head was overruled by his heart. So it wasn't his head that killed the man, it was his heart. Why? Because the evil and the hatred and the racism that's inside of him is not in his heart. I mean, not in his head, it's in his heart. And so his heart saw an opportunity to satisfy something that it had been hungering and thirsting for for a very long time. And so it sees the opportunity. And remember, it doesn't have intelligence. So um, the cameras being on it while it satisfied, satisfied itself meant nothing because the heart was the one that uh, committed the murder. So I guess the, my question is, how do, you, how do you bring the head and the heart into alignment? 
to where you can your 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 thought or your actions don't get overwhelmed by your your desire, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of the reasons we we need to guard our hearts. And remember in, in Proverbs um uh huh. We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard it with all all diligence, because the Bible says that out of our hearts flow the issues of life, right? And so, we're warned to guard our hearts because, and that warning is there, and it's very and it's very strong, and it's there because there's no lining up the head and the heart. They have two entirely different functions, right? right? But you can control what's in your heart by filtering what's in your head and not allowing what's in your head to then move to your heart. Because remember, our teaching this morning taught us that if it's in your head, it's a thought. Mm -hmm. But if it's in your heart, it's an, it's an intention. Right. And so when it moves from your head down to your heart, it then takes on a transformation. The thought then becomes and intention, because it's now resting in your heart, and it's waiting for an opportunity to take advantage of getting what it wants. Right. So it's funny you say that because a lot of times, um, like even now in politics, right? When people hear, you know, they can tell that like Trump per se is reading from a prompter or whatnot. Those are just the words coming out of his mouth, mm -hmm. right? But when you look at the bills that he pushes through, the things that he does, sometimes the things that he says, well, a lot of times the things that he says, what he tweets about, it gives a different view of... It shows exactly what's in his heart. Right. When he gets off of the teleprompter, teleprompter mm -hmm. and he begins to talk, he's not talking from his head. Because if he was talking from his head, it would make a little bit of sense. He's talking from what's in his heart, and he can't control it. And so that's why it comes, what comes up, remember the heart doesn't have any intelligence, it doesn't care who's listening, it doesn't care um, what the consequences of the actions are, it just wants what it wants. And so when he begins to talk from his heart, he then, um, or talking to other hearts, there are other hearts out there Listen that are listening and hungry for that same word that he's spewing right. spewing out. So he's feeding that venom to others. Which is why a certain population, it does like, you know, other presidents, mm -hmm. right? When they say or do something, you'll see things go up and down. He stayed at a certain even level kill. The, whole even kill the whole time as far as support is concerned. So that makes sense. Yeah. But even after he gets off of the teleprompter, uh, from what y'all just said, you're absolutely correct. Because once he reads something off the teleprompter, then he speaks what's in his heart. Uh, uh, and then it comes out totally different of what he just read. Right. He could say uh, two and two is four. But then once he leaves the teleprompter, he now says two and two is five. Right. And he changes uh, because that's what's in his heart. And the Bible says, that, uh, as a, so as a man speaks uh, from his heart, so is he. Right. So what if he says, when you say whatever out of the mouth comes from what's in the heart? And uh, as Pastor Quinn said, because the central organ, you were asking about that question about how do you combine the two? Well, the, uh, it says that the heart is the central organ, which uh, forms a focus for, uh, 
for and it becomes a center for the spiritual, the intellectual, um, and the moral all rolled into one. That's why all that's coming from your heart. Also, you have to listen. You have to be careful what you take in because it will settle in your heart, in your heart yeah. and then it will come out. That's why people hear something and react. And that's why, uh, in case of Chauvin, uh, he's heard so much stuff that is in his heart, right. and it came out. Right. So if he hadn't listened to all of that, it might not have come out. Right. Or if he had not, I mean, it's really important, and we guard our hearts, and that's what the scripture tells us mm-hmm. to do, is to guard our hearts, put um, a, a, um, um, a sentry on, uh, which is our faith, um, to guard our hearts, to make sure that we cast down imagination. Because remember, the scripture says the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, uh, but they are mighty through God to the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So um, if we then um, take that scripture and understand that that's how we guard our heart, by we know because of the intelligence. We know when something comes through that is not of God, right? Mm-hmm. We know um, a thought that should not have been right, thought. Because a lot of times we second guess ourselves. Yeah. But we're then, if you don't cast that thought down and if you, doesn't, if you don't destroy that thought, it's just not going to sit there dormant. Right. It's going to move. It's like having a blood clot. It'll sit for a while. But that blood clot is sooner or later is going to migrate and it's going to end up in a dangerous place. So um, are evil thoughts. They migrate to the heart. And when they migrate to the heart, it's in there. Um, the only way you get um, the evil or, or, or the bad intentions out of, our, out of your heart is, like I said, do open heart surgery on yourself. By the word of God. Take the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Open your heart up with the word of God and begin to cut away at some things that shouldn't be in there. When it comes to the heart, you have to watch what you go in because, see, people are sometimes, uh, uh, there are people, there's things going on in people's lives because what they have taken in, what you just said, what they have allowed to come into their hearts. And once that's in, they put a bandage on it to try to keep it from coming out. But that has, that's in their hearts now. It's in there. And see, they don't want it. And so then that's when it comes out of their mouth. They react. In other words, that's why people do gossip. because uh, And then some, that's why some are hurt. Because they listen to stuff and it's come in and it's hurt them because they were opening. So they guard their hearts. Uh, and that, uh, that's the opposite from guarding it. They're guarding it because they don't want it. They're hurt by what they have allowed to come into their hearts uh, when they've given their hearts to the wrong person, so to speak. And then it's in their hearts, so they're guarding it. And then, but as the opposite to that, they also guard their hearts because of they don't want something to come out of that heart. And uh, uh, so they're guarding it. So this time, uh, so we do have some control of that heart. There's things that they don't want to come out of that heart. So you have to be careful there, too. And you, you're absolutely right. And the scriptures on the, over in Jeremiah, um, I think 17, 17. Um, 10, when, when God asked the question, who can know the heart, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, wrote, he reserves that to himself, but he, he, he's telling us that if he has to 
go to the lengths of not only searching our heart to find out what the intents are, but when he finished searching the heart, then he tugs on it and pulls on it. Um, he knows that the heart is just uh, full of deception. So even to God, he has to take a second look at our heart after he has examined it. Um, it may look like it's good. And as Pastor Ralph has said, because we've guarded it and we don't want the evil to come out. We don't want to show what's really, really in there. So God is not uh, um, comfortable with it just sitting there or leaving it just at that step. That's why he takes us through trials and tribulations. That's why he tugs on the reins of our heart. That's why we go through so many things because um, you've heard me say on many, many occasions, you, God doesn't get the glory in your life when you're sitting on the mountaintop and everything is going well. He gets the glory out of your life when, how you respond to adversity, when all hell is broken loose, when you don't know how you're going to face tomorrow, when everyone has turned their backs on you, when you don't know how, to, uh, whether, how you're going to pay your rent, whether um, you've gotten a call and they're about to come pick your car up, or you have a foreclosure notice, whether you have a dime or a nickel in the bank, God wants to know how you're going to respond to adversity. He gets Amen. The, he gets the glory out of your life when you respond the correct way in adversity. That no matter what it looks like, you still look towards heaven. And so that's why it's, the heart is so important to him. And that's one of the reasons why he tugs and pulls so hard. I know that you know that I'm God when, I'm, when you're on the mountain. But let me see how you're going to act when you're in the valley. When I take you through the valley, when I give you near-death experiences, when I take everything away from you, when I do you like Job and your entire body is nothing but a sores all over, how are you going um, to respond to me then? How are you going to treat me as your God then? I want to know what's in your heart. I know that you can be extremely deceptive, but... I'm going to try you. I'm going to try your reins. I'm going to take some things away from you. That's what he did to Job. So basically, God puts you through cardiovascular training like cardio. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he took Job. First, he took what? He took all of his, his possessions, his stocks, his cattle, his his, all of the, uh -huh. everything. Bonds, took it. Vehicles. Took everything. it. And Job was still standing. So God said, okay, let me see. Now I know you love your children, right? right? Because you talk to me about your children every day. You're praying for your children every day. God took every one of his children away from him. But he took, at the end, Job 42 and 10 uh, says that he gave Job double for his trouble. He did he give gave him, him, yeah, he gave him I, all, I, but there was one thing, uh, and since we're talking about the heart, uh, just uh, the verse before that, and uh, as he went through, um, says uh, Job. In the end, God, everybody, every man gave him a piece of gold. That's where a piece of money. And uh, you know, I always tell uh, my flock that that's uh, everything you've heard comes from the Bible. They say, let me borrow a piece of money. Well, a piece of money right there in Job. He says uh, everybody gave him a piece of gold or a piece of money. And uh, but then, but there was one prerequisite to it. 
God has said, okay, Job, you and I have gone through 40 chapters of just talking, and you're talking back and forth to me. We're talking uh, man to man, uh, mano mano. Okay, now, let me see where your heart is now. So he says, I want you to pray for your friends. Let me see if praying for your friends is in your heart. And once he prayed for, the Bible says that once he prayed for his friends, that's when God blessed him. So sometimes we got to remember to pray for others because uh, uh, um, the second great commandment, the first great commandment, the first great commandment, uh, Matthew 22, and I think 37, says, I love the Lord with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And then, but the second great commandment is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And so that's what God, um, God was convinced that Job loved him with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. Now he said, let me see if you can have fulfilled the second great commandment, to love thy neighbor as yourself. He says, pray for them. So he prayed for them. And so after Job prayed for his friends, he was blessed. God says, uh, he says, okay, now I'm going to give you. And Job received double and lived a long life. So the thing is, how do we get to that part? Because you take my money, mm-hmm. you take my ability to mm-hmm. make money, right? Mm-hmm. You take my children, yeah. and I, you, in to me, mm-hmm. you just took my heart. Just so th- there's nothing just left there. Just stab me in the heart. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So getting to praying for your like to me, that's a long shot at that point. You know what I'm saying? Um, but like I said, it, I guess it takes cardio to get to that point. But how do you get through the stresses, the fear and anxiety, the the heartbreak, right? And get to that place of okay. God. I would call it what peace. Mm-hmm. Um, Job had to get to a place that says, "Though you slay me, yet will I trust you." Mm-hmm. But one of the things now, and this is a real life story, and that's a, and that's a good question that you asked. Job um, suffered great anxiety as a result of God trying his, the reins of his heart. So much so that Job says, look, I can't take no more of this. God, uh, do this for me. Put me down in a grave. Let me pretend to be dead. Bury me. But please remember where you put me. And when all this is over, when all this craziness that's going on in my life is done, come and get me. That was when he was at his lowest point, that he wanted to pretend to be dead just to get out off the hot seat, so to speak, right? But God wouldn't allow that to happen to him. And God continued to tug upon him because the core of his heart was good. And so you can pray um, as God continues to tug on you if your heart is in the right place with God. And that's what Pastor Ralph was talking about. And that's another scenario of God. First, he's searching. He took everything away, so he's searching. He's he looking to see, okay, how are you going to deal with this? All right, then he then begins to tug a little bit more. He tugged on everything that is humanly interest, interesting for man, right? Anything man could care about, he tugged. 
down to the wife saying, look here, why don't you, I can't take no more. I mean, first of all, she looked at him, he was nothing but a big sore, right? He didn't look like the husband that she was accustomed to, and she didn't want to be part, no more parts of it. So she said, why don't you just curse him and die, right? So even with the bad wisdom from a wife who's supposed to give godly wisdom, right? God tried him in his relationship with his wife. God tried him with his health. God tried him with his children. God tried him with his wealth. These are, very, these are the very things that's most important to man. And at the end of the day, then God tried him with his faith. Um, I want, because remember we said when we describe the heart, the heart is selfish. Mm -hmm. The heart is self-centered, and the heart is self-protecting. But God wants to know whether you'll forget about yourself long enough to care about somebody else and pray for somebody else. Now, if you can find it when all hell is breaking loose in your life, find it within your heart to care enough about what's going on in somebody else's heart, then God knows your heart's in the right place then God's going to bless you, just like Pastor Ralph said, just because you are not being selfish. He can't stand the selfishness. Right. And those are some of the things, and those are some of the characteristics that he's looking for. Because if you're selfish, you're, selfish, you're disobedient. Because mm -hmm. the only thing you're caring about is yourself. Right. right? If you're self-centered, he can't use you because you're trying to serve yourself. Right? And if you're self-protecting, right, you don't want any parts of that. So he's trying to separate you from these very poor characteristics that are self-destructive to man. All they are very natural to us, right? But they're self-destructive um, in the spiritual realm. God doesn't want that. He wants us to lean on him. And that's how you get to what you just asked. After all this has happened to me, you're going to stab me in my heart. Now you won't. You, ain't no good in me because pain is where the good was. Right. But God says that just like he gave you your children, he can give you more. And that's exactly that what he did. Right. He, gave more, he gave more children. The Bible doesn't say that he gave another wife, but he did say that he gave another, I mean, other children. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I always found um, that was interesting that he never talked again about the wife or whether God gave him a new wife because she failed him or what. But God, he's a forgiving God. So um, I'm going to assume that she was still around. And um, when Job recovered, she recovered. But when you mention, say, well, what do I do about broken hearts and things like that? What do you do about broken hearts? You move on. Because, see, God gives you, that shows you that you do have some control of your heart. So when your heart is broken, yes, you're going to sit down for a while, but you're going you're gonna to go find another person to replace that one. I mean, that's true. Some people, some people have a hard time moving on. That's how some people slip into depression. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, Suicide. Suicide, things of that nature. You know what I mean? So right. that's why I asked the question because not everyone gets back to that place where, where they're whole, maybe, mm -hmm. to the point where mm -hmm. they can move on. Mm -hmm. They can seek someone else. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, go back to a job. Mm -hmm. They can't, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because 
you know, like you said, the trials and whatnot, not everyone is not equipped currently, I'll say, because everyone can adapt, right? But everyone is not currently equipped to handle those things when they come, when they come through. You know what I'm saying? Well, one of the things I've found is sometimes you have to brace a word called closure. Most time when they are that deep, um, deeply affected, and, uh, and they're broken, that brokenhearted, I've found that they need to go back and bring closure. And they will go back, and then they will see that the hurt, and sometimes even if they just saw that person, now, this doesn't work in all cases, right. but sometimes if you go back and you see that person again, and then while you're standing there, and then you talk and you say hello, after you say hello, you're going to see all of that, and you bring closure. You start mentally bringing closure, which will feed down into your heart and turn around and walk away. And I've seen that happen, so mm -hmm. that happens, but that's how you bring closure to that. Then you can love again. Your heart is open to receive uh, uh, well, God, because God has another, but God is not going to give you that other until you're ready to receive it. Okay. Well, the um, you also said um, that um, you don't necessarily recover all that you've lost. You may not, if you remain faithful to God, you may not recover during the same time span that you would hope to. Right. But God is really faithful in his word. And he will restore unto you everything that he allowed the locust to take away from you. And sometimes the restoration takes longer for others than it does, does for some. And in that restoration, um, remember... Um, I taught that uh, special orders take a long time. Right. When God is doing something special in your life and for your life, it can take a while. I, um, I remember um, back in 2008 when uh, we had to close our mortgage company and we had the mortgage meltdown. And, and <clears throat> at, the, at the time that that happened, we had, I think, three or four cars in our driveway. Um, we had money in the bank. My husband and I both were making six figures. We, we were on top of the world. Um, as as um, the youngsters say, we were living our best, best life. And in one day, things went from bad um, to worse. By the time we got up in the morning, I mean, he had closings that was going to the tables on a Friday afternoon. He had money going to the uh, closing table. I had money going to the closing table. I had employees and that kind of stuff, but God took it all away from us. And about two, three, four months later, we look around, and I'm now, for the first time, having to manage, um, A, my finances. There were times when we could go in the store and get anything we want, but God took it away from us. I had to manage my finances. I had to manage my resources. I then had to do meal, meal planning and those kinds of things. And it, that was in 2008, right? It was from 2008 to 2000, um, I, I would say 16, that God turned it around. Eight years we were out there, right? Look, and everyone else had recovered. And it didn't look like God was going to do for us what he'd done for everyone else. Right. And so we've got to understand. But when God came through for us, 
He literally gave and restored back to us every single thing that was taken from us and then some. We are now living our best life after God had taken everything and recentered us, right? And so I, I don't believe we would have accepted um, to be pastors because we were running after the dollar. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But God slowed us down and reprioritized our life. So we can't ever give up on God and think that he's not going to restore back to us what was taken from us. And it's more than just, um, I know, relationship was what Pastor Ralph was talking about, but it's bigger than relationships because other things can be taken away from us, our health. You know, I mean, during that period of time, I had several heart attacks. During that period of time, Pastor Ralph got very sick. So in the middle of everything else, in the middle of us struggling financially to keep our heads above water, he was, his health was being challenged, and so was mine. But now God has put us on the other side of that storm so that we can tell others, you can make it. Yeah. You don't lose heart. Don't lose your mind. Keep your heart good and pure. We never, ever miss church. We serve God harder when we were in the valley than we ever did on the mountain. And because of that, because we showed ourselves faithful, God then showed himself faithful to us. So so what what do you tell that person that doesn't necessarily have that same experience, though? You know what I'm saying? The person that doesn't spend time in church, right? Who not necessarily surrounded by people who motivate, you know, push, even love on them to the point that they can get through some of those situations. Because there's a lot of people going through those things by themselves. We do evangelism. We try to reach out to those folks because that's the first thing. See, because the first thing is they've got to, if uh, they're saved, then uh, uh, then they need to renew their relationship with God. If they're, they're not saved, we need to introduce them to Christ, to Jesus, Christ Jesus. And then, but the second thing we always tell them is to get into a Bible-based church because in a Bible-based church, we have that, um, that setup so that they can come and get with folks who can bring them along and show them the goodness of God. Because, see, people say, well, that's just talk. I'll just say, no, no, it's not just talk. Because, see, you have to uh, uh, put some skin in the game, too. Because, see, a lot of times people come to church and expect the church to just miraculously just do for them, but they don't want to do for themselves. The church is to help them grow themselves. And once they start growing, they will start seeing the goodness of God because I've seen it manifest. I've seen that person you're talking about, not not physically the person you're talking about, but a person like that when I say that person. I've seen a person like that before uh, several times. And then when they finally realized that they couldn't do it on their own and they would just uh, quit walling in and, oh, woe is me, and come and then start doing something, they found a new life. And they found that life got better than it was before. And so that's, that's the first thing. You've got to get them back into them, into the church, and, um, and or into and to believing uh, about who Jesus is and what he can do for them, what his, in his name what can be done. For you. Well, for and for that person that may not know who Christ is, mm-hmm. and like I said, they are, your heart is self-serving, right? And, and, and 
our, our nature, the core of who we are, how God made us, uh, we're self-reliant, right? And so with the absence of God makes us even more self-reliant. But at a point, there's no way around God. There's no way around Christ. And so for that person, as Pastor Ralph said, for that person that don't know who Christ is, it's an opportunity for us to say, you've tried everything else. Try Jesus. Right. What do you got to lose? Yeah. <laughs> I knew what that was, is it? I knew you were that you say have that. to lose. Right. Try Jesus, right? right? And 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 that's our that's our opportunity because if they don't try Jesus, they're going to remain hopeless because um, God is too big to get around, too high to get over, right? So there's no getting around God. So you might as well try his son that he sent down through 42 generations to take care of us, to love us. And all we get, and so that person that say, you know, I don't really believe in, I don't believe, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. He was a good prophet. He was a prophet and uh, he can't do anything for me. That person right there at some point is going to cry and pull on Jesus harder than we ever have. Because they have believed what the enemy said. Remember, you either for him or you're against him. And so if they're saying that they don't believe in Jesus, that's the Antichrist speaking loud, talking loud and saying nothing. Let them get cancer. Let them get sick. Let them lose and everything. Let them lose everything. Let them hit rock bottom where all they can look is up <laughs> to the rock from which they were hewn. And I bet you they'll have a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> well, I really do appreciate it. And uh, again, um, just so that we can um, recenter um, the heart matters, mm. and it matters greatly to God. Heart really then consequently should matter to us because it matters to God. And so we have a responsibility to keep our hearts pure and keep our hearts clean. And we do that by guarding what goes from our mind to our hearts. We do that by keeping our minds right. And you can um, look at uh, Philippians 4, when, when Paul tells us how to keep a, a clean mind, think on these things, whatsoever good, whatsoever things are pure, um, if there be any good report, that kind of thing. But, uh, we can then keep our minds together, right? And then we'll be able to filter what goes into our heart. Because when I was studying on the matters of the heart and how the heart matters to God, this thing really scared me straight where, where the scripture says, the scripture says, look, God's going to search your heart and whatever he finds in it, that's what you're going to get. My goodness gracious, I don't want God to search my heart and find the bad things that I've thought or the unforgiveness or the evil nature and the meanness. If he's going to send to me what he finds in me, I need to get myself together. Amen? And so the heart then... Um, it's important because it, it affects our walk with God. It affects our um, 
worship with God and it affects our work that we do for God. So the heart actually affects just more than what's going on with us. But we can't really be um, efficacious um, in our ministry um, when we are working for the master if our hearts aren't pure. And so um, the heart matters, and it might matters greatly. And so, yeah, black lives matter, all lives matter, but we as saints need to understand that the heart matters. And if, a, if the heart is good, then the people will be good. People are good, the laws will be good. If the people are good, the lawlessness will go away because we won't tolerate um, anything other than the um, justice and things being done lawfully and in, in order. There is a good place because God wants us to have the good of the land. He didn't design this world for us to live lawlessly. Um, I mean, he has destroyed the world for less than that. Right. You know, so we have an opportunity to re-examine ourselves, get ourselves together, re-examine our hearts, and get it in a right place. I still want some things from God. And if I still want some things for God, the very thing that I want from him, based on his scripture, is what I need to be showing him. I want him to be faithful to me, so I need to be showing him faithfulness. Amen? Amen. I want him, I want to prosper. So what I need to be doing is making sure I'm tithing, I'm giving, because I want to prosper. If you want these things, then you got to show God these things. Whatever you want from heaven, you got to show it to him in your heart. Amen. Amen. So we'll end with this, um, that we've got to understand that the heart overrules oftentimes our heads. And um, with that notion in mind, we need to get to know each one's heart. Don't, get, don't look at what they're saying to you. Look, as, look at what they're doing. They, they might not be they who mean, they say they are. Because uh, the heart, uh, what's in their heart, uh, sometimes they don't even know what's in their hearts. Sometimes it's hidden from them. The scripture bears that out. It says, who can know the heart of man? And so because... Sometimes we don't know what's in our own hearts. We know what's in our head, though, because that's where our intelligence rules. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so with, we need to keep a good head, and a good head then prepares you to have a good heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay, then um, thanks, everyone, for listening to the SAGE Report today. Um, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Um, I look forward to um, hearing from you. I want to say that um, we are trying our best to stay on the air. And so if you um, could find it in your heart, whatever um, you could um, do to donate to our cause, um, go to 12wellsmbc.org. We're not asking for any specific amount, a dollar, five dollars, three dollars, whatever you can donate so that we can stay on the air. We really would appreciate it. And just um, as a note, when you make the donation, just put SAGE, and we know that it, we'll know that it's going um, to the SAGE report to keep us on the air.
thank you, ministry costs money. And so we are not one of those that typically um, would be doing the tugging at your pocketbooks, but uh, God has started us on this journey, and we want to make sure that we complete it. And to God be the glory for the great things he has done. Amen.